This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a Turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined for a breakdown live from Phoenix, Arizona at the NFL owners meetings with somebody who is on the scene for NJ.com, our old friend, Mr. Matt Stipulkowski. Matt, what's going on, buddy? Not too much, Scott. How are you doing today? How's uh, the weather back east? Weather's actually pretty solid back here. We're looking at 50s and 60s throughout the week, at least here in New Jersey, although I'm sure it's a lot warmer over in Arizona. Yeah, I think we're uh, like in the mid-80s today, but it does make me a little sad to know that it actually warmed up as soon as I left. It would have been nice to have had some of that when I was home, but uh, you know, I guess I can't complain too much out here. As Joe Walsh used to like to say, I can't complain, but sometimes I still do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's my that's my motto, I think. And I have to say, Matt, one reason that you might have to complain is because recently we did a mailbag here, Chris Nimbley and I, the very big deal, and somebody wrote in and asked which beat reporter is going to come into training camp in the very best shape of his life, and you were selected by Chris Nimbley to be the guy because he said that you're already in the best shape of all the beat reporters, so you might be looking to complain simply because Nimbley put all that pressure on you now. Yeah, I, I'm not really completely sure I'm going to uh, live up to that one. I think uh, I'm backsliding a little bit as I get used to all these road trips. But, uh, you know, I, I appreciate the, the compliment of him, uh, you know, saying that I'm I'm looking like I'm in good shape. I'll take that at least. Uh, I will also hold that over Connor Hughes' head for uh, the next couple weeks here <laughs> and when I see him for dinner tonight. So uh, I appreciate the, the shout out from Nimbly there. And one other thing that's certainly not going to help your cause is the fact that I'm sure you're going to visit In-N-Out Burger, which I now know you have never done before. My first experience at In-N-Out Burger was in Arizona, right where you are. In fact, it was just outside of Phoenix. And I was telling you this story before we started recording. I'll tell the short version of this. I had to go there on business. And I arrived late at night, and the guy who was my Uber driver was a nice guy, but a little bit insane, telling me about the meth heads that lived next door to him, telling me about his old lady who liked to beat him up, about his kids that were troublemakers, all this crazy stuff. And we're driving out into the desert where I had my business meeting, and I'm thinking to myself, this guy could very easily kill me, dump me in the desert somewhere, and nobody would be the wiser. But one thing I will say is, for all those thoughts, it ended up being one of the best Uber rides I ever had because at one point when we were on the way back, he said to me, hey, do they have any in and outs in New York? And I said, no, I've never been to in and out He said, okay, we're changing that right now. We're going to in and out We're going to go through the drive through and I'm going to get you a double-double on me. Okay, who am I to turn that down? So we went, and he got me a double-double, and I thought it was really good. I think it's a little bit overhyped. I don't love In-N-Out the way that some people do, but that was my very first In-N-Out experience, although, Matt, I would assume that your first In-N-Out experience that you will probably have sometime in the next day or two is going to be a little less colorful than that. Yeah, I, I somehow imagine that my uh, you know ten minute drive down to Tempe or wherever the closest In and Out Burger is is going to be slightly less entertaining. But you know, hopefully the burger's good at least. Yeah, and if nothing else, if you end up getting yourself a double double and you don't like it as much, you can wash it down with a Starbucks coffee, and maybe you'll run into Mike McCagnin there because he's at the meetings, and we're going to talk about him in just a bit as well as Adam Gase because those are the two guys that are of particular interest to Jets fans right now who are at the meetings. But first, I want to talk a little bit about another guy who's strangely of interest to Jets fans right now simply because of Le'Veon Bell, and that's Mike Tomlin. He had some interesting things to say at the owners' meetings. Not the kind of stuff that you normally hear from Mike Tomlin, who's usually kind of buttoned up, but he seems to be a little aggravated at this point. Yeah, and uh, interestingly enough, Tomlin made some comments about Bell 
yesterday, uh, but he had some more today at the, the coach's breakfast uh, this morning. Uh, I think it was one of the Jets' in-house reporters asked Tomlin, uh, you know, if Bell can elevate the Jets' offense. And his quip back was, I would hope so. You guys are paying him enough. Um, <laughs> so that, that, that follows up on uh, yesterday. Tomlin uh, held court with some uh, Pittsburgh reporters, apparently, and said that, uh, you know, relationships run their course and the fact that Antonio Brown and uh, Le'Veon Bell are no longer there is an indication of that. So uh, he clearly is uh, not too pleased with uh, Brown and Bell. And he uh, also has kind of said he's tired of talking about the, that duo, but uh, I have a feeling that in Jets land over here, we're going to be doing a lot more talking about Le'Veon Bell for a few years. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm sure that while he is tired of talking about them, He's not going to have to worry about it much longer, whereas Mike McCagnan and Adam Gase are going to be talking plenty about Le'Veon Bell over the next couple of years. Hopefully, that talk is positive. But McCagnan and Gase are the two guys that are there right now to answer questions, not just about Le'Veon Bell, but other players on the roster and possible future moves, including the number three overall draft pick. So let's start with Mike McCagnan. He had plenty to say, but it was the usual Mike McCagnan guarded speech for the most part. However, he did have something interesting to reveal about that number three pick and the possibility of trading it. Yeah, so uh, McCagnan did tell us yesterday that the, the Jets have had conversations. Uh, teams have kind of put out feelers with the Jets to you know, kind of begin talking about the uh, possibility of trading for the number three pick. But uh, McCagnan said that no one is actively trying to, to make a trade at this point. Uh, so it's kind of too early in the process for that, you know, despite the fact that uh, it was earlier than this last year that the Jets actually traded up to number three. So uh, the trade market, not quite the same this time around uh, this season. But um, McCagnan also did kind of mention that all the, the owners and GMs and coaches being in the same place this week in Arizona could kind of help facilitate talks if, uh, you know, if people are all in the same room. And, you know, obviously things can just kind of pick up some, some momentum if there's some to be had. So uh, it could be interesting to see how that unfolds. Um, but also McCagnan kind of mentioned that uh, the, the Jets have basically ruled out trading up. Uh, not that I don't think anyone was ever really uh, anticipating that move, but he, he kind of took that off the board. He said, that there's no real limit on how far back the Jets would be willing to trade. It, it just kind of depends on the package they would get in return. Uh, and he wouldn't commit to, to trading as well. And he, he did say that the Jets could always stay at number three, just to kind of remind people of that fact. So, uh, you know, not a ton of clarity from Mike McCagnan, but he did you know give us a little bit of insight into what's going on with that number three pick. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. 
With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. The other interesting thing that's been talked about as far as possible trades is Darren Lee. You guys asked him about that. What do you have to say? Yeah, so uh, he he mentioned Darren Lee and basically said that he won't talk about uh, trade speculation for players. He doesn't get into that, but uh, you know he mentioned in the same breath basically that uh, Darren Lee is young and cheap. Uh, throughout his his cap figure, he uh, you know made sure. I think to mention his age, if I recall correctly as well. So, uh, you know, he, he said he doesn't publicly discuss trades, but he kind of dangled some uh, marketing for Darren Lee out there in case any other GMs were listening to the uh, the audio of the interview. So uh, if you read between the lines there, uh, as obviously all of us did, it, it kind of sounds like maybe uh, McCagnon was subtly shopping him yesterday, but uh, you know, he, he won't say if Darren Lee is on the trading block. And uh, he said that, you know, for right now, they're happy with where they are at inside linebacker. Matt, let's get into the rest of what Mike McCagnin said at the owners meeting. And I should point out that for anybody that hasn't had a chance to check out McCagnin's comments, you can look at Matt's recap up at NJ.com right now. He did a great job, but I want him to take us through it. One of the first things that I noticed is that even though they didn't get Anthony Barr, they really did put a premium on trying to find a pass rusher this offseason. So whether that ends up being the draft or some other means, they're going to try to address this issue with everything they've got. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. You mentioned that, you know, obviously the Anthony Barr thing fell through. Uh, Mike McCagney also mentioned that the the Jets kind of made a run at Zadarius Smith, um, but uh, uh, eventually they bowed out because the price got too high for them. Uh, he wound up signing a four-year, $66 million deal. So uh, apparently that was just too steep for, for them. They, they didn't value him quite that highly, so they bowed out. Um, obviously the Jets re-signed Brandon Copeland recently to kind of help provide some cover at that outside linebacker spot. But I don't think anyone is, uh, you know, going to tell you that Brandon Copeland fills that hole there. Uh, you know, and, and Mike McCagnin also, he, he said that what the Jets did in free agency didn't necessarily change their draft strategy uh, from before free agency. Um, but, you know, he, he wouldn't really give too much insight on, uh, you know, what the Jets might do at number three, how they uh, could use those picks. But, uh, he kind of started to hint at the fact that maybe if the Jets had picked up an edge rusher in free agency, it could have changed things, uh, kind of indicating a little bit that maybe the Jets uh, are going to look to fill that hole through the draft. Not that that's a surprise to anyone. I mean, it, it's a gaping hole on their roster. It'd, it'd be stunning if they didn't pick up some edge rushing help in the draft. It's just a matter of how they go about it. So uh, definitely outside linebacker, a place where, they want to add some help going forward in the offseason here. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. 
Can't say that I blame McCagney much for Zadarius Smith. That price tag is insane. $16.5 million for a guy that's never even sniffed the Pro Bowl, never even had double-digit sacks. That seems quite exorbitant to me. Yeah, uh, definitely not cheap. So, uh, you know, it, it kind of makes sense why McCagney was willing to bow out. He, uh, I'm sure, had a number in his mind. And once it went beyond that, he bowed out. So, um, you know, whether you, you like McCagnon, disagree with McCagnon, um, you know, he, he stuck to his guns on that one. He might have stuck to his guns there and bowed out, but he did not bow out on Le'Veon Bell and C.J. Mosley. What did he have to say about how that went down? Yeah, so he was asked, um, because both players, obviously, it's kind of been reported out that there was not a huge uh, market for Le'Veon Bell. Obviously, uh, you know, it was just uh, one other team kind of in the mix for him. The Jets wound up, you know, getting him with that uh, big deal, the $27 million guaranteed, I believe it is off the top of my head here. And, uh, you know, so he was asked if he felt like he overpaid for Bell, why the Jets thought that that money was right, given the the context of the bidding war. Uh, kind of same gist of the question for Mosley. Uh, you know, obviously the Ravens wanted him back and he was one of the more sought after free agents, but the Jets obviously made him the, the highest paid inside linebacker in the league. So, uh, both players, he was asked, you know, if he thought that the Jets overpaid for them. And, uh, you know, no big surprise here. He, he did not think that they overpaid for them. Uh, he thought the market kind of dictated that those prices. He was willing to pay those prices. And, you know, obviously that's why they're both on the Jets now. So, uh, you know, he is comfortable with those contracts. But obviously, I, I suppose we'll look back a few years from now and kind of get to judge whether or not those deals, uh, you know, were worthwhile if they kind of match the value or if uh, they count, come back to haunt the Jets. Sounds like the Jets want to make some deals at corner and center, but just couldn't find the right fit. But they are comfortable, according to McCagnin, with what they have in Daryl Roberts and Jonathan Harrison. Yeah, and, and Adam Gase kind of touched on this uh, at the coach's breakfast where he spoke to us as well. Uh, you know, they the Jets really liked what they saw out of both of those players when they kind of filled in last year. Obviously, Harrison, the last seven games. Uh, Daryl Roberts kind of in the middle of the season there when Tremaine Johnson was injured. Um, they really liked what they saw from both of those players. Um, Gase said today that they had made re-signing Daryl Roberts a priority. Uh, he also said that Jonathan Harrison, uh, you know, he's not going to be going up against Vince Wilfork and 360 pound nose tackles like he would have in the seventies, you know, lateral quickness is kind of uh, more important against the teams that the jets are going to be playing against this year. And uh, so he thinks that Harrison could fit into their scheme and what they need and kind of the opponents they're playing. He thinks it could fit in well this year. Um, you know, both Gase and McCagnan did say though, uh, you know, the jets aren't going to just be content at those spots. You know, they will continue to look to upgrade and, if they think there's an opportunity there to bring in competition or bring in a clear upgrade, they'll do it. And, uh, you know, those guys will have to earn those spots as the season moves along, the offseason moves along, I should say. Um, but as of right now, at least, you know, if, if push comes to shove and Harrison and Roberts are the uh, last men standing at those spots, it, it does sound like the Jets will be uh, perfectly okay with that. And, uh, you know, they might not be proven starters, but, uh, they kind of showed enough last year to show the Jets that they are capable of doing it. On the other hand, one guy that the Jets did not bring back like they did with Roberts and Harrison is Andre Roberts, who actually went to the Pro Bowl as a kick returner this past season. Roberts has taken some shots at the Jets organization over the way that he was handled, but Mike McCagnin seems to think that there's nothing to that. 
Yeah, um, Mike McCagnan said to us, I mean, in not so many words, uh, he, I guess he put it a little bit more artfully, but he, he kind of shrugged the, the whole thing off. He was uh, not quite sure what was uh, shady about the whole situation, as, as Roberts called it. Um, you know, uh, he wound up with the Bills, um, and kind of by all accounts, the, the Bills were willing to give the Jets, or willing to give Roberts more money than the Jets were willing to give Roberts. So uh, they let him walk, uh, you know, by the sounds of it. Uh, the Jets may not have, you know, pushed as hard or shown as much interest in Roberts as he thought he deserved. But uh, again, kind of a, an example of McCagnan having a price in mind and, you know, not willing to go above that. So uh, kind of the same case with Roberts and Jason Myers letting those two special teams aces walk uh, just in favor of kind of more budget friendly options. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. It's only been two months, but according to McCagnan, he and Gase are working pretty well together. I'm thinking that they're going to be strolling down the street with matching mochiatos pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if uh, I know Adam Gase has a, a lot of coffee cups kind of scattered all over his office, but <laughs> I, I'm not entirely sure how much that guy needs the extra caffeine. Uh, he might want to consider switching to decaf every now and again. But uh, yeah, the the two of them both spoke over the last couple of days about uh, their relationship and how it's evolved. McCagney said that they are uh, kind of similar in some ways, and he, he really appreciates Gase's uh, sense of humor and the fact that, you know, they're both kind of like late night film guys and, you know, they'll stay up just watching, watching tape on players. And uh, McCagney said that, or excuse me, Gase said, I should say, uh, that two of them have kind of sat down a bunch had a lot of uh, you know good heart to heart kind of conversations, explaining their philosophies, laying it all out on the table, so that you know Gase understands what McCagnan is trying to do, and uh, McCagnan will understand Gase's process and what he's looking for at certain spots around the field. Uh, so they have opened up those lines of communication, and uh, both guys think that the relationship is off to a, a good start here, and that they are uh, kind of pulling on the same end of the rope. Sounds like McCagnan is very excited to work with Gase as the season progresses, but there are a lot of other things that he seemed pretty pumped for, too. Yeah, uh, and most notably, obviously, Sam Darnold, uh, which I I guess that's no surprise. Kind of one of the interesting subplots, I guess, of uh, a lot of the interviews out here in Arizona so far has been that Sam Darnold, after you know a year where he was the headline on every story, he's almost uh, been an afterthought at this point just because of how much other stuff is going on around the Jets these days. You know, obviously there are still some questions about Sam, but he's not the number one, two, three, four, and five question at every press conference at this point. Uh, you know, some of the the attention has been split off of him, which I suppose is probably a, a good thing for him. It's a good thing for the Jets. You know, he doesn't have to live entirely under the microscope at all times anymore. But um, McCagnan kind of brought him up unprompted uh, when we sat down with him and said that, he's excited to kind of see how Sam and uh, Adam Gase connect once they get in the building together and are able to work day to day. Uh, Sam is out in California kind of working out on his own right now, but uh, both guys, uh, McCagnan and Gase are uh, excited to get moving along with Sam here uh, once the season kind of gets rolling. 
Speaking of Gase and his lack of need for caffeine, that was on full display when he spoke to you guys for an hour and he put on a show from all accounts. Want to get into that, but first, the big ticket items before we talk about all the other little things that he spoke about. Bell, Mosley, Crowder. What did he have to say about his big new acquisitions? Yes, yeah, so uh, you know, I'll start uh, with Crowder, the last one you said there. He uh, kind of dove into some of the uh, X's and O's behind uh, you know, what he thinks he can do with Crowder and how uh, the Jets are going to you know, try to push him outside the box a little bit. Uh, you know, they don't want to limit what he can do. They, they think that he can play on the outside sometimes. He can uh, run deep routes. He can also catch the ball and create things after the catch. Uh, he said that he's a, a fearless player. He's willing to go over the middle and kind of be tough. Uh, he thinks he's a smart player, uh, is able to kind of read the defense similar to a quarterback, which is what Gase said his system kind of requires of slot wide receivers. Um, you know, Gase obviously really likes to use slot wide receivers as a, a big feature of his offense and uh, move them around, do different things with them. So, you know, he's really excited about Crowder and just kind of the, the physical presence, the talent that he brings uh, to the lineup. So that's, uh, you know, the big the big talking point about Crowder. Uh, when it comes to Mosley, uh, a lot of it was about what he kind of brings behind the scenes. You know, obviously, Gase, McCagney, the whole brain trust loves Mosley from a, a talent perspective, from an on-field perspective. But uh, they particularly liked kind of the intangible things with Mosley and think that he can be uh, a culture changing kind of guy. Uh, they think that him plus Jamal Adams on the defense is going to do a world of good for that unit. Just kind of having those two rah-rah guys, two really good leaders, two quarterbacks out there. Uh, so they're excited about that duo uh, in the defensive backfield and in the middle of the, the defense. Uh, and when it came to Le'Veon Bell, Gase was talking a little bit about how he would affect Jamison Crowder. Uh, you know, someone asked Gase if uh, it could kind of negatively affect Crowder, you know, with Bell splitting out into the slot sometimes. Obviously, he's a great pass catcher, but uh, Gase kind of spun it a different way, saying it's a great thing because if defenses want to go man coverage, it shouldn't leave Bell open with a mismatch. If they want to go zone coverage, it's going to give Crowder uh, some opportunities. And then Gase just gushed about Bell for probably the first five, six minutes. Uh, you know, all the questions were out about Le'Veon Bell and he said that his offense, uh, the way he described it, is, is pretty adaptable. Uh, he doesn't have like a hard and fast system, a hard and fast series of rules that players have to kind of uh, fit into. He'll take his scheme and, and fit it to the personnel. So uh, I guess he wanted to put people at ease about the fact that, you know, Le'Veon Bell is not going to have to be uh, reinventing himself here. As Gase put it, uh, we have a blueprint, but it's in pencil. Uh, we're able to move and shift in the direction and strength of our players. So uh, he plans on kind of tailoring things to, to make Bell as, as useful as possible. And he said he's been uh, kind of talking to Bell and watching film on Bell to, to get comfortable with him and learn what he is best at in order to kind of uh, best use those traits this coming season. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. With those new acquisitions in tow, you would think that the pressure to make the playoffs would be at an all-time high because the fan base certainly is going to be expecting the Jets to compete for a playoff spot this year. What did Adam Gase have to say about that? Yeah, and obviously this is something that's come up uh, with you know everyone out here in Arizona. Christopher Johnson was asked about it and uh, once again said that there's not going to be a playoff mandate for the Jets, but did say that he's an impatient man and wants to win. Uh, you know, Mike McCagnon said that he believes that this team is going to be su substantially better than it has been 
Uh, and Gase, you know, he the way he put it basically is, uh, you know, if the Jets manage to stay healthy, he believes that they should be in the thick of things down the stretch of the season into late November and December. Uh, and from there, it's just a matter of how they execute down the stretch. Uh, but what he did say is, you know, and he's he should be an expert on this after kind of what he saw in Miami with injuries kind of taking his team apart a, a few times there. Uh, you know, if the Jets have the wrong pieces go down, you know, their margin for error, their probability, he said, would would drop off. And obviously that stands to reason. But uh, kind of the interesting addendum he had there was uh, he made it sound like that was more of a, a short term problem because the Jets are, you know, just now kind of building their program between uh, McCagney and Gase, this new partnership here. And they're, they're kind of starting uh, to build the depth. But he kind of intimated that, you know, maybe two, three years down the line when they've gotten a chance to really put this thing together, if all goes according to plan, uh, that injuries won't be as big of a factor or as, uh, as scary a proposition because the Jets obviously plan on and would like to have depth at all of these spots that they don't currently have now to kind of, uh, you know, give themselves some cover for those injuries. He just isn't quite sure, it sounds like at this point, that the Jets have that that depth and that cover that they need in case those injuries crop up. So uh, keep your fingers crossed, I suppose, if you're a Jets fan. Uh, obviously, no one is rooting for injuries ever. But, uh, you know, your coach says that if you guys, you know, if, if the team stays healthy, then December could have some meaningful football for the first time in a while. The most important position on the football field to have depth at is quarterback, and we know that the Jets signed Trevor Simeon, but according to Gase, it sounds like the door might be open to an old friend if he were to decide he wanted to return, and Gase also had something to say about another prominent NFL quarterback too, didn't he? Yeah, so he left the door open for uh, Josh McCown, which is interesting. I mean, Josh is still uh, deciding whether or not he's going to want to play this season. Uh, he's 39, closing in on 40. Uh, it's an open question as to whether or not he's going to want to come back and keep going with his career. Um, but uh, Gase said, you know, basically, if Josh wants to play, uh, the door is not closed. Uh, the quote was, with a guy like Josh, the door is never closed. I mean, it doesn't get much more black and white than that. So not to say that the Jets would definitely pick McCown up if he decides not to retire, but he did crack the door open for that one. So uh, that'll be interesting to kind of follow along and see what uh, McCown decides over the next couple of months here. Speaking of quarterbacks, McCown is gone. Simeon is here. And certainly Sam Darnold, fingers crossed that, like you said, he doesn't get hurt, is going to be the guy that this team is built around. And boy, oh boy, does Adam Gase sound excited to work with him. Yeah, and uh, you know, obviously, we touched on this a little bit ago with McCagney kind of calling Darnold out as the thing he's most excited about. Uh, Gase has said that uh, you know his big goal this year and his big uh, sticking point with Darnold going forward is going to be uh, communication. He wants to make sure that the two of them are kind of always on the same page. You know, he hasn't worked with a quarterback as young as Darnold in the NFL to this point, so uh, he's pointed that out on his own in the past. Uh, and so we asked him today, you know, if he'll have to kind of adjust anything. And, uh, you know, he did say that at times, especially, you know, this year, he might have to uh, kind of take a step back and be willing to, you know, not install as many things, kind of make it a little bit more simple at times, depending on how Sam is doing, how he's grasping things. So, uh, you know, obviously there's a learning curve with everyone learning a new offense. And, uh, you know, it wasn't just Darnold specific that he said that about, you know, he did mention that with Sam, but he said uh, across the board that, you know, there might be times this season as they're installing things where 
you know, he has to kind of pause, uh, hit the pause button, kind of let everyone, you know, be comfortable with where they are for a little while before they keep building back up again. Um, but the big thing between Gase and Darnold is just, just going to be making sure they're constantly talking on the same page uh, and make sure that the chemistry is there between the two of them moving forward. There are those who will tell you that the second most important position on the football field after quarterback is outside linebacker, the edge rusher. That's something that Mike McCagnin talked to you guys about, and Adam Gase did too, although I have to say he was remarkably candid with his lack of knowledge about the current players that are going to be in the 2019 draft class. Yeah, he. Uh, it was interesting. He had mentioned uh, earlier on, he was talking about Von Miller, uh, who he obviously got to see up close and personal during his days in Denver, uh, and saying that he was kind of a, he's a once in a, 15 years kind of guy. So I had asked him, you know, obviously this year, plenty of edge rushers in the draft class based on what he had seen. If any of those guys stood out to him as a, you know, a potential guy like that, who could be kind of a generational player. And uh, he was frank with me and said that, you know, he just hasn't gotten a chance to watch enough tape to kind of comment on that and make an educated opinion on that. Uh, he said, you know, he just got done with free agency. He's been breaking down a lot of tape on current NFL players, the veterans that the Jets had been looking at. So uh, he's, you know, starting to pivot to the draft now and is going to be, you know, basically binge watching tape like I watched the West Wing. Uh, so he'll be doing he'll be doing that for the next month. So uh, a lot of late nights in Florham Park for him, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, he did say that it's not necessarily – uh, just plugging in one player in one spot to, to cover that hole or finding a guy, you know, to play outside linebacker, uh, another guy for defensive end and calling it a day. He kind of looked at it uh, a little bit more holistically and said that the Jets have to kind of build a pass rush that uh, is a cohesive unit and also is kind of uh, fit to play against the Dolphins, the Patriots and the Bills because his big thing is kind of, uh, you know, making this team and gearing this team up to win the division. So uh, those six games against those teams are definitely a big focus of his. And he wants to make sure that his pass rush is going to be built to pass rush the correct way to get Tom Brady on the ground, to get Josh Allen on the ground and, you know, whoever on earth winds up playing quarterback in Miami. And the guy that was going to be one of the central pieces to that pass rush was Anthony Barr. The Jets thought they had an agreement with him. He ended up reneging and going back to Minnesota. A lot of people upset about it, but Adam Gase seemed to take a pretty even-handed approach to it. Yeah, and I thought this was pretty uh, pretty cool from Gase, honestly. Um, and it's something interesting. I, I know Le'Veon Bell, in his uh, Sports Illustrated interview earlier, uh, or last week, I suppose it was at this point, he kind of said that... Uh, you know, he got a good vibe from Gase and it seemed like, you know, it seems like he's a, a player's coach. And uh, this seemed to be an indication of that to me where uh, when Gase was asked about the whole Anthony Barr situation and kind of asked if it was uh, unprofessional, basically, for, for Barr to go back on his word like that, uh, Gase was remarkably understanding and just said, you know, these are 25, 26 year old kids that are making these decisions that are, you know, big life choices you know he he basically said anthony barr had to decide he had big money getting thrown at him from two different sides and he had to decide if he was willing to commit to moving you know halfway across the country to new york a place where he never had visited he hadn't you know spent time there he didn't know people there you know he was very understanding and and kind of was 
able to accept the fact that these are tough decisions that these guys are making. And, uh, you know, he really didn't blame Barr for having a change of heart, a change of mind and, you know, struggling with these decisions. Uh, as he put it, you know, what were you doing when you were, you know, 25, 26? Because uh, for Gase, he was uh, just trying to make the rent. So, you know, these guys are making some pretty big decisions on a very public stage. And, and he was willing to kind of be forgiving about it. When he was 25 or 26, Gase was just trying to make the rent, but now he's a head coach in the NFL with his second organization as a head coach. And so there's a bit of a feeling out period, a little bit of settling in. What did he have to say about that? Yeah, this was interesting as well. Uh, he said that the second time around here, kind of enveloping himself into a new organization, uh, kind of you know ingratiating himself into the culture, it's going a lot better this time around just because uh, you know, obviously, when you join an, a new organization, any job, really, I mean, you, you can get pulled in a number of different directions and kind of get sidetracked very easily doing stuff that you don't really realize at the time probably wasn't worth your time. Um, but now that he's kind of been through it once, he understands where he has to prioritize his time, how he has to do things uh, more efficiently, which areas he has to focus on, which things he can kind of delegate, uh, delegate which things he doesn't really have to touch on all that much. So uh, he also said that he apparently took notes on all of this stuff when he was in Miami and kind of going through it the first time around him and his, uh, like his team of coaches and advisors by the sounds of it, you know, they, they kept notes and they uh, paid attention to what they did like that they did, what they didn't like that they did. Uh, and he's been circling back to those notes this time around and kind of uh, refreshing his memory so that he can adjust and make things go a little bit more smoothly this time around as he transitions into the Jets organization. So uh, certainly sounds like Gase is learning from his past experience, which if you're a Jets fan has to make you happy. Uh, obviously one of the worries with Gase is uh, the fact that he got hired so quickly after getting fired, you know, did he learn his lesson? And at least in this case, it seems like he's willing to kind of reflect on his time in Miami take the positives for what it's worth, but also uh, you know, learn from the things that he did wrong the first time around and kind of try to do them better this time. We talked earlier, Matt, about what Mike McCagnan had to say about the possibility of Darren Lee being moved and what he felt about what Andre Roberts had said about the way the organization handled him. Adam Gase was asked about this and had slightly different answers. It almost seemed like his attitude as far as Roberts going and who will be doing the returns and what's going to be going on with Lee was, eh, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, um, so he was pretty candid about the fact that he's not sure right now on paper who the Jets' return man would be. Uh, shout out to Brian Costello who asked him who his returner was. And uh, Gase looked at him and goes, that's a good question. And uh, I think I'll leave it at that. Uh, so that was, he, he did eventually give a, a couple more sentences and say, you know, the Jets have a lot of, uh, a lot of roster work to do still. There's going to be a lot of acquisitions, pickups, cuts, everything like that. So, uh, he's just kind of playing that one by ear, uh, not really willing to anoint anyone, the leader in the clubhouse for the return role as of this point. But, uh, the Darren Lee thing was also certainly interesting. Uh, you know, whereas McCagnan kind of gave you a little bit to, to read between the lines, uh, Gase got a little strangely in the weeds saying that technically Mosley and Lee play different spots, which, you know, they're both middle linebackers. They kind of play different roles in the middle there. So I guess I kind of understand what he's saying, but I don't think there's any illusions here that, uh, you know, Lee is going to be starting over Avery Williamson or, or CJ Mosley for that matter. So he's, I don't think he's fooling anyone. I don't think he thinks he's fooling anyone with that, but uh, basically he just kind of took a shrug approach and said, you know, I'm 
planning on everyone that's currently on the roster being there when camps open up uh, in early April. And uh, until the front office tells me otherwise, Darren Lee is a part of this team. So uh, kind of a, a little bit of a, a non-answer there from uh, Gase about how Mosley affects Lee, honestly. Last bit of business, Matt. We talked a little bit earlier about how this roster doesn't have a lot of margin for error if they want to make the playoffs, and certainly two of the key pieces are Marcus May and Brandon Shell. Quincy Anunua, another one. These are guys with injury questions. You asked Adam Gase about it. What did he have to say? Yeah, so uh, Gase basically said that he he didn't want to give any real updates on May or Shell, who were the two guys that really came up specifically. Um, but he really didn't want to give up any health updates uh, at all, really. He uh, made it sound like, for the, well, I, I shouldn't say that. I, I don't want to go too deep into kind of reading between the lines with Gase on this one. He, he basically deferred on the question, but he did kind of make it seem like uh, May and Shell, there's a chance that they could be held out for some portion of camp, but maybe not another portion of camp just to uh, maybe shield them from some contact and stuff like that as they work their way back from injury. Uh, you know, both of those guys should be healthy based on the timetables that we heard from them last year. So uh, I don't think unless, you know, something else comes up that uh, it's a big issue. It sounds more precautionary than anything, but uh, Gates basically just told us that they haven't completely worked out the game plan as far as, uh, you know, those guys' health and their participation in spring practices quite yet. So uh, he kind of declined comment a little bit on that one. Uh, it, it was a bit fuzzy, but uh, certainly didn't sound dire by any stretch. So uh, as long as those two guys are recovering as they were supposed to at the end of last season, everything, uh, you know, should be more or less fine for them moving forward. He's out in Arizona covering the NFL owners meetings right now and enjoying the nice weather. I'm sure he's going to get himself a nice double-double from in and out before he comes back. A little bit different than what his partner on the beat, Daryl Slater, is doing right now out in Minnesota. I think he's going to go visit Prince's gravesite while he's out there, so I'll have to ask him about that next week. Mr. Matt Stiplikowski of NJ.com, thanks so much for taking a few minutes to check in with me from Arizona. Really appreciate it. For anybody that doesn't know what you've got up at NJ.com right now why don't you let them know besides what we just talked about what they can expect when they go to nj.com and look up your work and daryl slater's work yeah absolutely so uh nj.com slash jets uh you'll see everything that we've written from uh the annual meeting out here uh i know i will have a uh a mailbag going up wednesday morning so took a bunch of reader questions today so a bunch of answers for that and i know we are about to start rolling out some uh early draft previews as well kind of going position by position at some of the options the Jets could have. So uh, I believe Daryl and I plan on starting to roll that stuff out on Thursday. So uh, keep an eye out for that over the course of the next week or so as we uh, kind of launch position by position into some of the areas the Jets might be looking for in the draft. Uh, and also, you know, feel free to uh, follow me on Twitter as well. It's M underscore Stipulkowski. That's S-T-Y-P-U-L-K-O-S-K-I. Uh, always appreciate you guys reaching out there as well. Go ahead and follow Matt on Twitter. Read Daryl and Matt's work up at NJ.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.